Punya is the merit that one gains by serving a Mahatma. It's a particular way of earning good fortune. It's considered the highest good karma one can do because you are serving another great soul who will then be able to serve God at an even higher level and the blessings of that service then cascade to all of those that they serve. And the more that you serve the higher souls who are in touch with God, the more that that good karma then cascades and creates more and more good karma. Okay? It creates a very virtuous cycle <clears throat> of increasing goodness. And one who has that propensity to give charity in whatever ways to serve a great soul is called a punya atma. And the good fortune of such a soul increases exponentially, as does the community in which this service of a Mahatma takes place. So I want to give you an example of what I think is the most uh, beautiful uh, historical uh, unfoldment of the concept of punya in recent history. is connected to what I will call the last love affair of Sri Ramana Maharishi. You didn't know he had love affairs, did you? <laughs> Sri Ramana Maharishi at the end of his Toward the end of his life, around 1949, he was asked uh, in a very formal way, uh, to what do you owe the success of Ramanashramam? And by that time it was world famous, thousands of people coming every day all over the world, books being written by, by people, Paul Brunton and so many others. He was, he was on the cover of Look magazine. I don't know if that exists anymore, but at the time that was a pretty big deal. And he was, you know, how does this guy in a loincloth, you know, who uh, never left this hill he is on, become world famous and people from everywhere come and donate huge amounts of money. Not that he cared about it, but huge amounts so that they were able to develop this incredibly large, beautiful ashram, uh, extraordinary. And, you know, this started from a scraggly bunch of hermits on a dry hillside who had nothing. 
literally, there was nothing to eat there. There was, you know, what happened? <laughs> well, it's all about love, isn't it? <clears throat> so, uh, Ramana, uh, uh, according to the official documents and Ramana's uh, formal statements, he had only two disciples who attained moksha, the supreme liberation. Only two. And one of them is Ifi. And, and there are some who say uh, she was named that because of political correctness. And that was his biological mother. Right? I mean, you can't not say your mother is, you know, enlightened. It's sort of like... <laughs> be bad etiquette, wouldn't it? You know, the Virgin Mary has to go first and be honored, right, all of that. So, uh, in any case, uh, when, when his mother died, they built a kind of shrine around her, but it was, you know, a mud thing with sh thatched roof, and it was, it was built really cheap, because at that time they had no money. They were just a poor, you know, bunch of people. And, uh, and they couldn't do much uh, uh, for her. Well... In 1948, the, uh, the second uh, uh, enlightened disciple passed from this plane. And her name was Lakshmi. And she was a cow. And Lakshmi the cow, said Ramana, is the reason why this ashram has been successful. She is entirely responsible for the growth and success of this community. Now, take this seriously. This is not a joke. This is very important, especially if you want to create and sustain a community. Ramana was not joking about this. So, in order to understand how is it possible that this cow attained enlightenment and almost none of his other millions of disciples did, you know, there may have been a few, but this was the only one he officially declared and built a temple for her. And there's puja every day for this cow, okay? This is, this is not a joke. To understand it, we, we should go back a little bit in time. It was in the, uh, the 1920s, he had just moved down the hill, from, he had lived in Virupaksha cave and, and up on the, the side of uh, Arunachala for a long time. And uh, with the death of his biological mother, he moved down there and started the ashram, but they were, they were penniless. Uh, and uh, it was not a long time after that that a farmer came who lived a long way off, and he brought a, a cow and its a very young calf to the ashram, and he said, I don't know why I'm here, frankly, but I received a dream the other night, and God told me, you bring that cow and that calf to Sri Ramana Maharshi down in, uh, in, in Tiruvannamalai. 
He said, I never heard of the guy. I didn't know what this was about. Uh, but you want my cow? All right. I'll, you know. And it was apparently a really hard thing. He had to ford a stream, get on a little ferry, and, and it was a long trek for this very poor farmer. He, he comes to Ramanashram and he says, here, this is yours. And Ramana said, well, we're not ready to have a, a cow here. We, we, uh, we can't host a cow. We don't have uh, money for cow fodder. We don't have uh, facilities. There's no cow shed even. Uh, please, take it back. Uh, and the farmer said, well, no, I'm not going to take it back. The dream God told me to do it. No, no, I'm not going to do it. So, but they're negotiating. And Ramana said, look, it, we don't have anybody here who knows how to take care of cows. So it's not a good idea. And then uh, suddenly one of his young devotees uh, says, I'll take care of it. Don't worry, Ramana, I'll take care of it. Now, he didn't know anything about how to take care of cows, but he promised he would take care of the cows. So Ramana said, okay, the cow and the calf can stay here. And, and the calf got the name Lakshmi. And... Uh, and uh, the, the mother cow didn't last very long. She died a few years later, but uh, Lakshmi grew. But uh, what happened was this young uh, devotee didn't know how to take care of cows and couldn't keep it properly. And the cows would get loose and they would eat everything in the food garden and trample all over the place and defecate all over the, the yard and everything and, and make a total mess. And, you know, day after day this would happen and everybody was complaining, Ramana, get rid of the cows. These are, we can't afford to have these here. We're not ready for this. And we can't afford to build a cow shed. So finally Ramana gave in. He said, it's not the cow's fault. It's the fact that you guys don't know how to take care of cows properly. So they found a farmer who knew how to take care of cows in town and they gave the, the cows to this farmer to, to take care of for the ashram. So officially, Ramana still owned them, but the two cows lived separately. Well, uh, shortly after that, this new keeper of the cows visited Ramana ashram because there was a, uh, a tank where you could bathe uh, yourself and the cows in it, and he brought them there. And, uh, and Lakshmi looked around and, and uh, you know, she, when she was brought back to town, she had figured out how to get back. And the next day she came on her own back to the ashram. And she immediately went up to Ramana and, he, and she talked to him. And they had a, an immediate telepathic connection. And she said, I, I don't want to go. I, I belong here. I'm yours. Uh, and, uh, and Ramana said, well, you know, I don't know what we can do about that. <laughs> and, and he said, well, all right, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. You can come and spend the day here at the ashram, but in the evening at dinner time, you've got to go back because we don't have a, you know, a cow shed for you. It wouldn't be healthy, etc. So she would come, and at dinner time, as soon as the dinner bell rang, she would go and, and, and give a final namaste to Ramana, and then she would trot back to her cow shed in town. And she, she did this all by herself. And every day, every morning, she came back to visit Ramana. And as soon as she got to the ashram, she literally bulled her way into the main hall and sat right in front of him. <laughs> and, and, and she would trample over people, you know, and uh, defecate in the hall. You know, do what things, what cows will do. And Ramana said, leave her alone. She, she is my devotee and she belongs here. He was the only devotee Ramana ever caressed. Okay? And, 
and kissed her, and you know, he really was very physical with her. <laughs> this was a real love affair. Let me let me tell you, this was not an ordinary human cow relationship. Anyway, she she was there every day, all day, taking notes on everything he said. <laughs> And they had extraordinary um, uh, telepathic communication. And it was very clear. She could communicate very complex ideas. And he would even answer her questions about jnana out loud. He would say, you know, Lakshmi just asked me this about, you know, reincarnation as an animal. And so, and, and he would, he would uh, answer her questions for the sake of everyone. And there were very, very powerful uh, questions that would deepen the whole conversation. Uh, and, and there were other, you know, examples so that everybody knew that, that hey, this cow is pretty intelligent. Uh, one day they, we were short of, uh, of food and uh, they used to feed uh, Lakshmi a human breakfast because she liked uh, human food. She didn't like cow food. And, and one day uh, they ran short of food and they didn't feed Lakshmi and uh, Ramana is sitting in the hall and Lakshmi comes next to him and starts, you know, bumping into him and saying, hey, they didn't feed me this morning. And Ramana said, uh, what's going on here? And he said, I'm not going to eat until Lakshmi starts getting her proper food. And he went on a hunger strike. Well, they figured out how to get more food into the ashram so that would never happen again because they didn't want Ramana to have to, to fast. Uh, and she would have specific menus. He would say, no, this isn't what I want. I want this. And, and they would go out and, and they would get it for her. Well, uh, and at, at some point, uh, she, uh, she got pregnant. <clears throat> I, don't, I won't say by who, but uh, <laughs> she, uh, she gave birth to her first calf on Ramana's birthday and, and presented to him as a birthday gift. Okay? Now, this is pretty extraordinary. How does a cow know, uh, you know Ramana's birthday and is able to judge exactly when to get pregnant you know, in order to achieve this? Well, it turned out her first three calves every year were all on Ramana's birthday, right? Now, this is no accident, right? You could say the first one was a coincidence. Three in a row, no. So by that time, it was very clear to everyone, this is not an ordinary cow, okay? <laughs> and uh, and, and they, pretty soon she said, you know what? I'm not going back to that guy in town anymore. I'm staying here. And Ramana said, okay, it's, it's yours. And, and so then he knew they had to build a cow shed. And some donor gave a small amount of money to build a little, you know, cow shed in the back. And it was going to be made of, uh, of mud and uh, little sticks holding up the roof, thatch roof and all that. A very cheap, shoddy kind of thing. Which is the same way they made uh, the mother's shrine. Because they couldn't afford uh, really good building uh, uh, equipment and, uh, and materials. So, uh, so the, all of the buildings were very shoddy in the ashram at that time. And uh, there was just no money. He, uh, Ramana would only use seconds, you know, material that couldn't, wasn't saleable. And they would give it uh, away. But they were like half-baked bricks and things like that that uh, nobody wanted. Uh, and so um, everything was built in, in this kind of a, a jerry-rigged kind of way. Well, uh, in this case, Ramana said, no, we are not going to build an ordinary cow shed. And we're not going to build it here. We're gonna, we have a very special location. He found the most beautiful area of the ashram. And, and he himself designed this gigantic cow palace. 
Okay, I mean, it was huge. It was, it was going to be the largest building in the ashram. And he said, we're not building it in the old way. No, I want there to be total granite blocks here and teak beams. And this is going to be architecturally designed like a temple. And, and it was a giant palatial uh, building that was built as the, the cow shed. And there was only this one cow. Okay. Uh, so this was pretty extraordinary. And everybody said, Raman, we cannot afford to build this. What are you doing? We, we don't have the money. It's crazy. that We don't even have the cows to fill it. We don't have money to feed cows even if we had them. Uh, you're nuts, Ramana. And everybody in the ashram tried to stop Ramana from building the cow shed. He said, no, you can't waste our money doing this. And, and Ramana, you know, would do anything to save a grain of rice, you know. He would make them use the same rusty nail again. They'd straighten it out and you'd have to use it again. Ramana wouldn't let you buy another nail, you know. This is the cheapest guru you've ever met. And, and he says, for the cow, we're going to build this gigantic castle, you know. Nobody could stop him. And, and Ramana said to everyone, don't worry, this is punya, we are serving a mahatma, this cow Lakshmi is a mahatma and by serving her with the reverence she deserves, we will get everything we need. We'll get a bookstore, we'll get a real uh, kitchen, dining hall, we'll get dormitories, we'll get everything that we don't have by serving Lakshmi. Well. Nearly, almost immediately after this uh, cow palace was built, huge donations started to come into the ashram. And they literally, from being poverty-stricken, were almost immediately able to build all of these buildings. The, 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 the destiny of this entire community changed instantly through the building of this ridiculous cow shed that was totally irrational but that was serving a Mahatma, okay, who happened to be a cow. Now, there is, there is a further backstory to this, to this love affair. Back in the early days when Ramana was still living in Virupaksha cave, there was an older woman living uh, near him. Uh, about a hundred yards down the hill at the Guhai Namashivaya temple. It was in ruins and she just kind of was squatting there. And then Ramana moved to the Virupaksha cave and, and they met and she instantly fell in love with Ramana. And she said, I will serve you, Bhagavan. And every day from that moment on, she would gather edible leaves or whatever she could find or beg in town and she would bring Ramana a meal. And she said, I will not eat that day until I have fed Ramana. And so she would come every day to his little cell in, in the cave and, and feed him and they would sit and commune. And, and they had a, an extremely close relationship. Her name was Kirai Pati. And, uh, and she, uh, she and he had this uh, uh, telepathic resonance and she was his closest disciple. 
And uh, every day, when, uh, when there was no like, food for her to gather, Ramana would go with her and they would spend the whole day together. And uh, he would climb tamarind trees and throw down the leaves because you can eat them. And she would catch them and then, you know, boil them up. And they would go on all these outings all around the mountain together. They learned the whole mountain t together, you know, by, by, by tra every trail and where every tree was and where every patch of edible uh, greens could be located. And, uh, and they were like pioneers uh, working together in ver as very close colleagues and they were in telepathic resonance. Now eventually other women came who also fell in love with Ramana who wanted to feed him every day and there was this lineup of women coming to the cave and, and, and Kirai Pati said, okay, you know, I'll give the, the punya to other people and she backed off. But uh, very shortly after that, uh, Ramana moved down the hill. She actually died, left the body. And then uh, Lakshmi, shortly after that, gave the dream to this farmer and she came back as a cow. And, it, and, and Ramana uh, very often made it very clear that Kiraipati had been reborn as this cow Lakshmi. Okay, there was no doubt about it. And books were written that said this and they were shown to Ramana and he did not correct it, okay? So it was very clear that uh, that woman whom he had spent all those, those years with really in a, a very close uh, communion uh, and this cow were the same soul, okay? And now this was her last lifetime. She had gone almost to liberation in her previous life and now uh, she, she needed a relationship where she could be extremely close to Ramana Maharshi. And the only way she could get close by that time, because there were so many human devotees, was to be a cow. Because he wasn't going to touch you if you were a human. But this cow, he was able to then become very close with and, uh, and spend a lot of time. Because he and Lakshmi would go on walks, you know, he would take her to find places to, uh, to have uh, grass to eat. And, uh, and, and they found excuses to hang out together. Okay, I won't take it further than that, but it was a very close relationship. Well, uh, that punya that he uh, did for, uh, for Lakshmi by treating her with this absolute reverence and, and no one else could mistreat her either. It was very clear to everyone, don't, don't treat her as if she's just a cow, okay, please. Uh, that reverence was uh, the, the gift then uh, that enabled the, the ashram uh, to flourish. And, it, it, and she drew other uh, mahatmas to the ashram who then exponentially increased the good fortune of the ashram. So, uh, for this reason, we have to be very careful how we treat the animals here. And don't assume that a being in an animal body is just a dog or just a cat. Okay? For example, I know that Deepak was a Mahatma and is still giving good fortune to Amrita and Kalyan even uh, after his passing and they, they will have a temple in, in their house where, where his shrine uh, is, where he's buried behind the house. Uh, he's not an ordinary dog. I won't say he was at the level of Lakshmi and I won't declare enlightenment, but a very high being 
who will probably come back for one more round. But nonetheless, we have to understand that uh, things must not be looked at from a superficial perspective. That there is a deeper dimension to what is happening than can be perceived uh, by the two eyes. Your third eye has to be open and then you will be able to be in vibrational resonance and know if you are being contacted by a, a much higher being who may not be in a human form. And if there is such a, a high benevolent being, you want to serve that being. And the benefits, the, the punya, the virtue, the, 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 the gifts, that, the grace with that will be returned can be enormous. You don't do it for that reason, but because uh, the, anyone who is in that illumined state of soul consciousness, Atman consciousness, and, and is radiating divine love as Lakshmi the cow did uh, and Kiraipati did before her uh, th that kind of, uh, of energy should be protected, guarded and, and, uh, and loved and honored. So it is that that produces the good karma that determines the destiny of any uh, community. And that kind of an attitude of openness to all beings uh, is, is without judgment and without preconceptions and without uh, a sense of, uh, of there's a certain rigid order here and cows are not allowed in the meditation hall. No, uh, Ramana did not uh, have such rules. And the ability to be very flexible about how you treat animals uh, can uh, make the difference and how you treat one another obviously and how you treat other incorporeal presences who are also of a very high nature and may be present in the environment. All of this uh, has a very profound ethical dimension that also has a, uh, a consequence upon our own uh, destiny and our own upliftment. So that's the story of uh, Lakshmi the cow and Ramana uh, and uh, it's uh, to me a, a very uplifting and inspiring uh, story of a devotee who, uh, who, who remained faithful even th between death and rebirth and was able to, uh, to come back to complete the, the journey and, and receive the, uh, uh, the final grace of... Uh, of liberation through that relationship. And it's only through that relationship with a God-realized being that that final uh, liberation is achievable. It's that, uh, that surrender that is the make-or-break, uh, decisive, uh, point of one's capacity to recognize and give oneself to God that is uh, concretized in a phenomenal plane situation in which one uh, is offered that opportunity and one either says yes or no.